Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob Doe, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, in these last several episodes, we've been talking about the promises of God and trusting that he is in control of all things. Last week, we talked about the Joseph narrative to show how God used the plans and intents of evil people to work out his good for Joseph and the people of Israel. This week, we're going to look at Moses and how God really continues to do the same thing. Now, last week, we read Genesis 15, 13. I'm going to read that again because we talked about the first part of that last time. That verse also points ultimately to Moses and the Exodus. So Genesis 15, 13, God said to Abram, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve. And afterward, they will come out with many possessions. Genesis 15, 13. So we showed how God allowed the plans of Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery to work out his plan of bringing the people into the land of Egypt. Moses is part of his plan of bringing his people out. That's in the context of a few times ago, we talked about Romans 8.28. Yes. And the promises of God in his good intention to bring salvation to those believe through his grace and bring forward his promises and so that's why this article that we're uh, talking about right now issue 113 providence and promise and so we need to believe the promises of god that's what god was doing when he kept the promise to abraham or abram in genesis 15 13 that sets the stage for joseph right And Joseph sets the stage for Moses. Now it says in the end of that verse that he was going to bring them out with many possessions. So now between the time of Joseph and the birth of Moses, we really don't have any record. But what we do know is that the people end up enslaved, that they were multiplying. And in the beginning of Exodus, this becomes a very concerning to Pharaoh, fearing that if the enemies, if enemies were to attack them, the Israelites would join with the enemies and overthrow Egypt. So he hatches the plan to have the midwives kill all the Hebrew boys so that their, their growth would be limited. The Hebrew midwives fear God and refuse to do this evil thing. And they tell Pharaoh, well, The Israelite women, the Hebrew women, they're not like the Egyptian women. They give birth really fast before we even get there. So then Pharaoh has his plan to have all the young boys of the Hebrew people killed, tossed into the Nile. They were all to be destroyed. Right. This is the point where Moses is born. Now, it's interesting. So when we read Exodus 2, his his mother She doesn't wait for a word from the Lord. She just makes a decision. That's what's important here, because I think a lot of people fear, and because of a lot of false teaching out there, that we don't get 
some sort of a special revelation from God, everything's going to go awry and we're going to miss God's destiny for us or whatever. That's right. A lot of us are parents. Can, Can you imagine you have this precious tiny baby in your hand and the ruler of the land has ordered that it be destroyed? Right. It, it's it's easy to become really familiar with these stories and lose the view of humanity in it and to try and put yourself in that position of what would you do to save your child? So in this situation, I'll I'll read a little bit from Exodus 2 and we'll see what Moses's mother does. So I will start with verse two. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. So there was no word from the Lord, no instructions on what to do. She made a decision hoping that this would save her child, but God was in charge of this too. So then verse five, then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. So then she sends Moses's sister, not knowing that it was the sister to find a nurse for Moses, who of course was his mother and she got to nurse her own child until it was weaned. And then Moses was raised in the court of Pharaoh. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's commented on in the book of Hebrews. Yes. Uh, how Moses, when he was of age, was refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right. But there's a lot of intrigue that happens. Yes. And throughout the Bible, the Bible's not some fairy tale about a romantic view where everything is wonderful and all turns out, it tells us details. Of course, one book can't hold everything that ever happened. Right. But this is God telling us how those who know God and believe God, he's taking care of us, whether there's a prophet around to tell us what to do or not. Exactly. And so when I was writing about this in 2009, um, if you think about that, no one told anybody, well, here, go do this or go do that. Right. You and, say in your article, she had no specific revelation from God to do that. She simply made her decision. It just so happened that the daughter of the Pharaoh went to bathe in the Nile. It just so happened she saw the basket and fetched it and saw Moses crying in it. It just so happened that she decided to keep Moses alive despite that he was a Hebrew child. It just so happened that she permitted Moses's sister to find a nurse who chose Moses's own mother. It just so happened that Moses became the son of Pharaoh's daughter and so on and so on and so on. And to us, it just so, it just happened, but God was behind it all. Right, and so if we, refuse to have it, and I wrote that uh, page six, if you do have the PDF of this, issue 113, if we don't want to believe in the sovereignty of God, we don't. if we want to believe in some 
apostles and prophets that have revelations and we need to get personal words from God. And that the only way things will go right is based on us gaining information that we don't have anyhow. That's not believing the promises of God. Right. And that's God not what we forth, find in this narrative. Right. God brought forth his purpose, keeping his promise that was unilaterally made to Abram, as you read in Genesis 15. And God used, even though there were many sinful actions and many fa failures, God was still bringing forth a people. Right. Okay? And those who were brought forth, we're not done with the intrigue. Right. This is just because, the start. <laughs> yes. Because Moses finally kills a, a Egyptian and goes off for another 40 years. And there's plenty to happen. Yes. But what are we supposed to learn? That's what I really have been encouraging many people. What does God intend for you to learn? Right. Now, the books that we've been studying on prayer say, well, God intends us to know that he's going to give us a dream or revelation. And if we get it right, pray right, and tell God what to do, then we'll have a good outcome. Right. It, it, that's why we've gone to this, because that's not what you learn from the Bible. Exactly. We Before we even really officially start our series on prayer, we want to give this foundation of understanding what God has said, how we can trust in his promises, and how, how providence works. Yes, and the doctrine that Paul taught in Romans 8, 28 through 39 is grounded in Paul was converted supernaturally trained into scriptures yes and if we don't understand a biblical worldview we'll never understand the promises of god so i've been for many years saying believe the promises of god right now what are those promises some people say well the promise is if we have new uh apostles and prophets and they get revelations and they they do this and they do that. Maybe we'll have be people who find our destiny. In fact, uh, that's a misused term as well. Mm -hmm. The point is, the promises are given to those who are God's sons and daughters by faith that he's going to use all things to bring us ultimately into conformity to the image of Christ. Right. And, and the events that happen here show that that's how we're to understand it. Okay. And that not only happened during those 400 years, okay? But if you look forward, after Malachi, there was another about 400 years where they didn't have a prophet. Right. And at least they knew they didn't have one. Yeah. And then we come to Herod the Great and ultimately the virgin birth, and so on in the New Testament, it wasn't dependent on the cleverness of people or the moral qualities of the people, but on God's promises where he takes lost sinners and gives them promises through the scripture and he saves us. Yes. We don't deserve it. So look at all of that. These things that happened 
excuse me, uh, you read this, it just so happened that she permitted Moses' sister to find a nurse who chose Moses' own mother. So it happened that Moses became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Right. As we pointed out, there was no revealed will of God. Here's the key point. There was no revealed will of God given to any of the people involved. Right. None of them had some angel show up and say, why don't you try this, this pitch-covered art of bulrushes and why don't you try that? No. They just, they just did, did what, what they did. seemed best at the time. And a lot of times that's all that we can do is do what seems best at the time and trust God for the outcome. Uh, our pastor, Eric, recently preached an amazing sermon that made me think about all this. And if you take the account in Matthew and the account in Luke of the birth of Christ, it was very, very unexpected Right. what happened. Mm-hmm. It got intervened in history and he used, used unexpected people. Yes. Joseph was a righteous man. He, he wanted to put away his wife thinking she must have been immoral. He didn't know anything about a virgin birth. Right. And so the birth of Christ, the virgin born, son of God, the very creator of the universe who came into our world happened as God used his ordained means to bring forth his promises that you can find all the way back in Isaiah. So here we have the same thing. The promise was made in Genesis 15. The way it's fulfilled is through events where people are just doing what they do and God uses them. Right. And so why, now that we know all this, we know about Moses. We read the Bible. We know, we know about Joseph and Mary, the virgin birth. We know about all the other things. What happened with David uh, in Second Samuel 7? What happened in all of these events? Why would you think that God's purposes depend on us getting a new revelation and being clever? Right. It it we we need to really have better theology than that. One it's thing horrible. you say in this article, you you say the point is clear that God holds all things together and does so in order to bring about his purposes. History is the unfolding of God's providential will before our eyes. It may look to be by chance, but it is not. Right. Exactly. And when I got to seminary in the early 90s, and it was a very difficult time, but providentially, I got there. And so I happened to get to a seminary that I really wouldn't recommend now. Right. That's another story. But in his providence, I landed there in 92, 93, 94. And what teachers were there? Uh Dr. Stein, whose commentaries I have now, who really helped solidify the view of scripture in hermeneutics that I need to hear. Okay. Who else was there? Dr. Schreiner, Travis, who helped us so much. So I believe this. I'm not Moses, I'm not anybody significant in my own right, but how did I end up at the right place at the right time? Right. And and honestly, I mean, that's a different story, but it took some really tough situations to get you there, too. I didn't want to go. Right. I didn't want to go. 
you you kind of got exiled to seminary and God used it for good and really at exactly the right time. When I got there, there were these great teachers. Yeah. Oh, I I just ate it up. I couldn't, not every teacher was great, but I had some of the best, some of the people whose books are now in my software, but then they took a turn into the seeker movement. Right. And I saw that happen. But there was always a couple of bright lights where I could learn. Yeah. And then I could see what was wrong with the seeker movement. And so God's in charge of that. He gets us to the right place at the right time. That's what we're learning from this. Right. Okay. So this should give us hope and confidence, not cynicism. Exactly. And at this particular time, as we're making this YouTube video, it's a real troubling time in the whole world, and particularly where we are in America. And people don't know what to do. They're afraid. Um, we see people who were just happy and going about life. Now, all of a sudden, there's lockdowns, there's fear, there's quarantines, there's all these battles and troubles. And I've asked people. Who's in charge of the universe, God or man? Right. And it's important we answer that correctly. Well, we know what the right answer is, but it doesn't weigh heavily on us. I'm I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been teaching this at church because I, people that know this just think, well, somebody did something bad and now it's all going to go bad. Well, people are always doing something bad. But what about us? Are we the stable one? Yeah. Okay. So. In history, we really need to learn this. Right. Okay. It's predicted in the scriptures that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay. There's always been evil. There's always been attacks against the people of God. And there's always been shakings that shake us to the very core of our being. Right. Through very difficult circumstances. I don't deserve to be used by God, but he's using me. And I didn't deserve to end up at seminary when I didn't want to go there. But I got the best teachers I could get. Yeah. The ones that resigned a few years later because they saw everything was going astray. And so now we live in a very difficult time. What are we supposed to learn from this Moses narrative? What are we supposed to learn from the Joseph narrative? And how does it all lead to Christ? That's what we need to ask ourselves. Okay. And to that end, the ultimate example of this is found in Acts 2.23. All right. Do you want to read that? Yes. And um, I quote it in this article. And I'll just quote how I introduce it and then quote what we quote in the article. And Acts, we find one of the clearest and most important examples the distinction between God's providential will and his moral will. That's what we're learning. Okay. Quote, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men who put him to death. Text 23. Okay, that's right. Yes, we need to learn that. Yeah. And I stand by the implication that's clear, God allows evil, God uses evil, 
God overcomes evil for a greater good, and that greater good is his glory and the salvation of his people. That's right. And yeah. he may allow evil. You know, Pharaoh's order that all the Hebrew boys should be killed was evil. God allowed that evil. He also used the Hebrew midwives to promote good. But eventually out of that comes Moses. God allowed the wickedness of Judas and of of the the high priest and you know the Pharisees and all these different things that went into the crucifixion. It was evil. They are responsible for it, but God used it for good. And he always keeps his promises. You read the New Testament. I don't know how people miss this, but they do. Mm -hmm. How was it that this wanting to kill? firstborn prefigured Christ out of Egypt I've called my son how did that work right recently heard a sermon about that it's, we really need to understand the Bible yes and if we think that if some evil persons have wicked plots which they always do yeah there's never been a case where there weren't wicked people ultimately inspired by Satan and demons and the lawless one that's always the case. Yeah. But do we lose our hope if somebody does something really bad? No. But and we, we really I don't understand because so many Christians are just shaking. And uh, I see fear in the eyes of people as I go about shopping or whatever we got to do. But should the Christians, should we be as fearful as the people that don't even know God? No, we should be resting in his in his sovereignty and in his promises. And in the meantime, we just make decisions that seem best. God will get us to the right place at the right time, in the right circumstances to use us to preach Christ. And so that people can learn how they come to salvation. Amen. And so I often... Yeah. Horrible circumstances actually do lead to the spread of the gospel. It's happened in my case so many times. And I've asked people this as we look at uh, Genesis, uh, Joseph, Moses, then fast forward. We didn't read yet Genesis 50 20. Okay. Where Joseph said, uh, You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yeah. And then in Acts 2 23, the same thing is stated. Right. It doesn't get anybody off the hook for having done evil. God allowed it. God used it. But the crucifixion of Christ is predicted in the Old Testament. Right. It Jesus was. Said, it needs to be that offenses come, but woe to the one by whom they come. Nobody's off the hook. Yeah. Pharaoh drowned in, in his army, drowned in the Nile. Right. And the people came through doesn't justify anything to God because God used it. No. And in there, God's sovereignty really comes through. And it even says multiple times, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yes. But that all worked out for the good of his people. It doesn't mean that Pharaoh was perfectly good and wonderful. And God took this great guy and then hardened his heart. No. And Every there are even times... That's right. And there are even times where he kind of appears to repent or he'll he'll tell the Moses to he'll ask Moses to intercede for him. 
but he never really actually changes. He's, you know, it's kind of like, I'm really sorry about these circumstances I'm in and maybe praying to your God will help, but there's no true repentance there. His heart was just as hard all along. Right. And he relented for a time. And if you read Luke Acts, this is a great project. Every Christian could do this. Mm -hmm. Read Luke and Acts as the two volume work that it is. And just read it, try to understand what's the point. When you get to Acts 2.23, are we to understand that God's purpose was thwarted? Or do we understand that God used all of this to bring forth redemption? Right. The very, very, very clear point is that God used it. People that won't believe that. People call me or email me. Well, we ended up with plan B. Wow. But how do you have plan B when God said all along, this is what he was going to do? Right. And how did Stephen preach what he did? in Acts 7, if it wasn't in the scripture. Yeah. And how did the Bereans search the scriptures to find out if these things are true? What things? The Messiah first is coming as a suffering servant, then he ascended to heaven and he reigns at the right hand of God, but he's going to come again. Yeah. That's in scripture. God's plans aren't thwarted. And the worst thing that happens in theology is when people don't like how God works, what he said, what he did. It doesn't seem fair. They don't think it should be that way. And they rail against it. Yes. And they create a God in their own image who's fair, who's nice, who doesn't judge anybody, who doesn't make any decisions, who doesn't have any purpose, but he's waiting for man to somehow figure out what ought to be done. And then God can use that person. Wow. Right. That's what people believe. Wow. And that's not right. It's not true. Search the scriptures. If you don't want to search church history, I don't blame you, but search the scriptures. Right. Read it for what it says. I know. When I got to seminary, there were so many people that wanted the social gospel. Uh, They wanted something that made God look fair. They wanted us to feel guilty for things that aren't even sin. Yeah. And that's going on yet today. Yeah. And it doesn't matter uh, whether you have money, you don't have money, where you live, what genetic rates you're of, you're still a dead sinner. That's right. And this is what we should learn. And so when I think, excuse me, we were reading this person who was talking about prayer a couple of times ago, mm-hmm. Romans 8. Well, 28, go back to 26, 27, and then you need to get a revelation from God or the rest of it doesn't work out. Wow. Well, the whole narrative about Moses's mother really very clearly shows no revelation from God is necessary. We are just about out of time. Do you want to just give us a little wrap up for this episode? And then we will come back next week talking about prayer. Yes, here's the wrap up. Simple version is this God cannot lie. God has made promises. God keeps his promises. He does through does so through means that we wouldn't have expected. 
we wouldn't have expected somebody like Abram and Ur of the Chaldees would gain promises from Yahweh who appeared to him that would carry on all the way into the time we're living now. What we learn from Joseph, Moses, and then Jesus in Acts 2, what we learn about prayer, what we learn from Acts, excuse me, Romans 8, 28 through 39, God keeps his promises. God doesn't need us to add to what he said. He wants us to believe what he said, and he'll use us in spite of ourselves. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis and Bob DeWay. We'll see you next week. 